The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the game of basketball, stars are made. But how do they get to that point? How has the game changed them? And what are they doing today? Welcome to Rebound Radio with your host, Matt Fish of Rebound Magazine. Each week, Matt goes one-on-one with some of the legends of basketball, finds out their inside story, and uncovers stories you've got to hear to believe. Now, here's Matt Fish and Alex Clancy. Welcome, 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 Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. This is Rebound Radio on Voice America Radio. Follow Matt Fish on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow me at, oh no, follow Matt Fish at Rebound Talk. Follow me at Clancy's Corner. Sorry, I put myself in front of you. Uh, Matt Fish, for those of you that don't know, is the Phoenix chapter president of the National Basketball Retired Players Association, played in the NBA and overseas for the better part of 10 years, won a championship in the CBA, and is now fully ingrained in the retired players' lifestyle, uh, trying to better them in any which way possible with the help of the NBRPA. There are 11 uh, chapters, and Matt happens to be one of the presidents. Uh, I've known Matt for probably three months now. And um, it's been, we're still in the honeymoon phase. I don't think it's ever going to stop. Um, we were up at, uh, in Las Vegas uh, about six or eight weeks ago now at the NBA Legends Conference. Uh, check out voiceamerica.tv and click on the Rebound uh, magazine logo. Uh, you'll see a lot of content that we, um, that we got from former NBA players, George Lynch, Keith Kloss, Cherokee Parks, uh, et cetera. And John Harris, the uh, president of Athlife, Athlife.com. Um, it, 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 we're going to bring on somebody very important today, uh, and she works with um, Mr. John Harris. Uh, Carrie White is the Chief Operating Officer of Athlife. We're going to get to her in just a moment, but like we do every show, um, I hand the reins over to Meth- Mr. Matthew Fish, and he tells us everything that's up and coming about the NBRPA and Rebound Magazine, Matthew. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it, Alex. How you been? Good. You know, just living the dream out here in Phoenix. You know me. You told me it was down in the sixties tonight, and you said we don't know what to think about that. No, it's gonna it's it's gonna snow. (laughs) It's gonna snow in Phoenix this winter. Just mark my words. (laughs) Well, thanks. Everything's going good on this end too. Uh, Next week at this day, there's going to be the Jerry Colangelo Hall of Fame. A golf classic at the Wigwam. So he holds a great uh, event out there, has now, this will be the fifth year, and I've been able to go to it every year, and they always have such a great, uh, they, they raise some money for the Hall of Fame. You know, they also have a great golfing outing on Friday. It's a scramble, and he uses, or has been using all three of the golf courses out there. What a beautiful place the Wigwam is, and you see a whole bunch of former, you know, NBA players, quite a few of them are Hall of Famers that are going to be out there, and, and it's going to be no different this year. So uh, looking forward to having a, a bunch of folks come out. And today there, I was kind of put to the task of, hey, man, we need a, another foursome filled. So I was reaching out, and I'm proud to say that we got uh, Jim Paxson to come out. we got Stephen Hunter who's going to be coming out as well. Carolyn Moose played in the WNBA here for the Mercury. Um, 
And I'm rounding that out with, uh-oh, I'm drawing a blank. Stephen Hunter. Yep, Stephen Hunter. He used to play for the Suns here. So Stephen's going to be out there as well. And Honeymoon all, phase, I'm telling you. It's all for a great cause. Hey, man, you remembered. <laughs> it's all for a great cause. And uh, like I said, it's, it's fun, too. And what a great event. Uh, the wigwam's unreal. I mean, he, and they hook you up. I mean, they, they're flying some NBA players in and uh, putting them up there at the place. And then they have a variety of different events, uh, dinners, uh, pairings. And so forth. So for the golf, and so you know, that's going to be fun. So that's certainly something that's right around the corner that we're looking forward to. For all talk NBRPA, uh, like the um, NBRPA Facebook page. Email Matt as it said in the intro at mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Matt puts out a quarterly magazine that features former NBA players and what they're doing now. Uh, and I think some of them could probably use and are using uh, the product of our guest today, Chief Operating Officer of Athlife.com, Carrie White. Carrie, thanks for joining us today. really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So let's get right to it. So you're the Chief Operating Officer, and I, I asked John Harris last week, because we had him on last week, uh, what a life lead is, because that's uh, the uh, part of the mission statement of Athlife, and I'd like to hear your definition of what a life lead is. Sure. So for us, you know, the population primarily that we serve is the post-professional, right? And so talking, you know, when I joined the team of Athlife in fall of 2013 and we were sitting around talking about how we serve former players and some of the challenges impacting former players, we kept referring to the population as former players. And it struck me that one of the biggest challenges is the identity piece, right? So the transition from I identify as my sport and now I'm not that. And so we realized we needed, we needed something else. We needed another term to identify these individuals. And so a life lead, and this term was coined by a former professional athlete, and, and he's the one who gave it to us and said, you know, I'm a life lead now. I'm engaged in the lifelong process of career development. And it, it stuck, and it worked for us, and so that's what it means to me. Well, that's great. You know, and, and, and just a little aside about me, when Matt and I first met, uh, we sat in a, in a conference room, and he told me what uh, it was like to work with the NBRPA for after the lights are off and after the shoes are hung up with cleat shoes, whatever you wore when you're a professional athlete. It intrigued me because I always thought about what it was like uh, after um, your – and I use the term thrown away very loosely, quote unquote, uh, by, you know, media and society when people turn on sports for sometimes for escapism or sometimes because they, you know, just love the sport and the jersey and the team that they love. And it's always intriguing the psychology behind what it's like when day one of the rest of your life starts. And it seems like Athlife has a stranglehold on how to help, uh, you know, former athletes or life leads uh, continue their life you know, through you know, whatever career development or even even mock interviews. If people are going on interviews, they don't know how to interview because all they've done is play basketball or football their whole life. Can you talk a little bit about what Athlife does? Absolutely. And, and I would share personally, you know, I, I was, of course, not a professional athlete. I was a student athlete. I was a gymnast. I competed through my junior year of college and injury struck and my career ended before I anticipated. And so while I you know, do not understand the the impact of kind of going all the way through professional and transitioning. I do appreciate the identity piece. 
I went from my name is Carrie and I'm a gymnast to my name is Carrie and I'm, you know, I, I don't know what I am. Yeah, and and I, I like life leak so much I better. 20. I mean, Carrie, it's better than saying has been. <laughs> you know, <I'm, laughs> I, I, I find it interesting. Uh, it, we got to turn this into retro cool. I do like the oh, life right. leak. Uh, but you were a heck of an athlete, especially, you know, you were the captain and you were the uh, Townsend University Athletic Hall of Fame in 09. So, you know, you know what it takes uh, to, to be that elite athlete. And uh, just to hear you uh, and what you're doing now and having to kind of change gears is, hi, I'm, you know, Carrie. Now, what do I call myself? And I'll quit interrupting, continue what you were talking about before. Yeah, so I think, you know, we do get the opportunity to work with Life Leads in Transition, and when it works best is when we have the chance to start the conversation while folks are still active. And so it's, you know, we do not want to begin the conversation about transition earlier than we need to, and it's not plan B, it's part of plan A. You know, the career is going to end at some point and you're going to do something else. Let's start talking about it now. And, you know, we don't always have that opportunity. So when transition does happen, it really starts with, okay, well, what's next? And for some, they have a very clear picture. For most, they don't. And so the conversation begins, do we start with education? Do we start with career Is it a bit of both because we need to start with career, identify what the passion is, what the interest is, and then perhaps what the educational requirements are necessary to accomplish that passion? Uh, So it's really customized. It is not, you know, there is not a linear path that we walk down with every single person because for every single person it's different. So I think that's the fun part is that as the advisors on our team get to work with folks, it's very customized. We meet folks where they're at. We walk with them side by side. Um, As we like to tell them, we will help you with this journey. We're going to walk with you through this journey, and we're not going to do the work for you because you know how to do it, and and we're going to help you. Um, But kind of like a strength coach, you're going to do the heavy lifting. We are speaking with Carrie White, the Chief Operating Officer of Athlife, Uh, and before you um, went to Athlife, you were the Associate Athletic Director for Academics at, uh, at NC State and Director of Academic Support Program for Student-Athletes. Now, this is interesting because this is, Athlife seems to be all centralized around academics to a certain degree, just a different skill set of academics. And was this a, it seems like it would be, I'm not sure it was, was this a seamless transition from NC State and your job there to Athlife? That's a great question. It, it was and it wasn't. Um, you know, I, I loved my work on campus with uh, college athletes. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting about the transition to working with Athlife is I spent a lot of time on campus trying to help guys, particularly those pursuing professional sport, that, you know, focus on your while you're here, focus on school, take advantage of the career development resources, engage, and I hope it happens for you. I really, really do. But if it doesn't, you know, let's have a plan A. And, and that was hard. 
when I transitioned to Athlife, that conversation was totally changed because for the majority of the guys that we're working with, it has ended. And so, you know, one of the things that I spent so much talking, so, so much time talking with guys about when I was on campus wasn't a part of the conversation anymore. And so they really were past that, obviously. And so it was really on what's next. And so that was a bit of a transition for me. One of the most rewarding and fun parts of the work has been reconnecting with some of the student athletes that I worked with while on campus who now I'm working with. And uh, I will admit a bit of uh, joy when they say, I wish I would have listened to you mm. when I was on campus. Um, that feels good. Yeah. I bet it does. I, I, I question, too, because I went through the, my whole career and ended my career and was out of basketball for a couple years before I realized that something like the NBRPA exists. And I'm curious, how does Athlife try to get them, the, the pro athletes, try to get to them before the end of their career? Because I absolutely agree with you when you say you need to start thinking about life after the sport while you're still playing the sport. How, how is it that you're trying to tap into them before they retire? So a couple different ways. One are through some of our uh, relationships and partnerships, you know, with, for example, the NFLPA, um, NBA player development and some of the work that they're doing, but also, and, and perhaps most influential, is with the folks that are on campus. And so maintaining those relationships with the folks on campus, because what we see is that as guys are going through their professional journey, when they do go back to campus, the connections that they often keep are with their, you know, their academic support team on campus. And they do, when they go back to visit, they check in regularly. And so we've worked really hard and tried to strategically be sure that the folks on campus understand about the services and support that we provide mm-hmm. so that they're kind of introducing that to the guys along the way. Hey, you might want to connect with my friend over here at Athlife. And, you know, she can, you know, talk with her, talk with John. They can tell you kind of what's going on and maybe encourage you to access some of the resources that are available to you now and softly introduce things that are going to be available to you, um, you know, when, when the transition happens. So it's, it's a relationship piece and really just trying to make it as seamless as possible. So it's not, let me introduce you to a whole new system and thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, there's that Athlife guy again. There's Carrie again. Um, so it does feel seamless for, for the player. So uh, a little tidbit about last week. I put Matt Fish on the spot, and we were talking with Mr. Harris, and and I asked him, because we were talking about, you know, as, as you just mentioned, it's, you, you want to get to the athletes before they retire, and I'm sure there's a huge brick wall at times to get them to listen when they're making millions of dollars. And I asked Matt, and I was like, and he, Matt was very candid, I asked Matt if he would have listened, and he said probably not. And it's very interesting how the mind changes when you're put against the fire, so to speak, and I hate using cliches, but uh, it seems like your job and everybody at Athlife and, you know, companies like it, it seems very difficult to break down that wall when people are at their peak. Do you have the frustrations that I'm sure you must feel not putting words in your mouth? Are there ways to circumvent that to try to get through the weak spot of the wall, so to speak? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> Do I have the frustrations? Absolutely. And it, it's all about readiness. 
and people are going to get there at different times, and it's not going to be necessarily when I want them to get there. Um, if I can do anything to help them get there faster, then that's a success for me. And I found that really working hard to try to understand where people are at and not push them further along than they're ready to be. And so, you know, we just try to figure out how to connect to the individual at the time where they are and not push it. Um, Some active players are totally receptive and no, they don't want their career to end. Absolutely not. And they want to think about what's next. And some are just not ready. They're not ready. So us standing up in front and telling them what to do, that's, that's not productive. So, hey, I'm here when you're ready. Uh, we've made the connection. I'm here when you're ready. And, and that's the best we can do. And that's okay. The best part's having them then circle back when they're ready. You've already been ready for them. So, like you said, uh, I wish I'd have listened to you or even another step. I told you so. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> might feel good. Um, but, you know, I, I really uh, find it interesting how, how you guys have been able to, to work with the Players Association and the NFL, uh, more specifically uh, that sport. Um, do you find it harder to break into other sports? Uh, and why has the NFL been so receptive? You know, I do we find it harder to break in? I think, you know, the NFL, the NFLPA have made a commitment. And, you know, the services for former players, and stepping back, player development itself is new. I mean, it's a new and young industry introduced in late 90s. So when we think about, you know, all the things that are out there, that, that's pretty young. And then when we think about services and benefits and resources for former players, that's even younger. Um, and so a lot of this is, is very new and, and still like we're kind of in the toddler stage, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the NFL has made a commitment um, and, and other, other organizations are really exploring and figuring out what works for them. I think that's a key is that, as you know, Matt and Alex, I mean, th- there's differences between sports. Um, you know, I had the benefit of working on a campus that had 23 sports and they're different. The approach is different. And so then you add the whole professional element and what's going to work for former NFL players is not going to be the same thing that's going to work for former NBA players or former MLS or former Major League Baseball. And so, you know, I think it's wise that no one is trying to do exactly the same thing, but figuring out what is going to work best for their specific population. Carrie White, uh, COO of Athlife. On the other side of the break, uh, I'm going to start with um, explaining or having her explain why she hasn't used the word but once and she only uses the word and. Alex Clancy, Matt Fishing Studio. We will be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. 
formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. Follow Matt at Rebound Talk on Twitter if you want to find out anything about the NBRPA, NBA Legends, uh, Rebound Magazine, etc. Follow me on Clancy's Corner if you want to see um, funny videos uh, and sports. I do some sports on there. Uh, we do have a very special guest right now. Um, before I bring her back on, Matt, why wouldn't you listen to somebody that wanted to give you guidance when you were 27 years old. And it, it, it's not a, a detriment to you, mm-hmm. but if you can go back uh, eight years to be to when you were 27, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, eight, eight years, seven. <laughs> All right. Uh, what, what was your thought yeah. process then? Because the money wasn't like it is now. You know, if I could harken back to my younger years, I think the first thing I'd say would be, so you're, 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 you can't tell me when my career is over. Are you telling me you're trying to wind my career up? Because all I'm trying to do every day on a daily basis is bust my butt and do what I'm supposed to do on that basketball court, rebound, run the floor, play defense, do whatever I'm supposed to do, run through the wall if the coach tells you to do that. That's what I'm concentrating on. And you're telling me that this is going to end? I'll play forever. And that was kind of like, you know, hey, I'm a young buck and I can do this until I'm old, old, old. You just, you're just not wise and you don't think that there will be an end enter carrie white chief operating officer of athlife who helps the life fleet during and after their careers are over in the nba um nfl and it says here two um college uh institutions you you work with 40 division one institutions uh you coming from nc state as the associate athletic director uh, for academics um on the on before the break i teased that uh Miss White is using the word and a lot. Uh, you, you go to school and you may have to deal with trials and tribulations instead of using the word but. And um, I asked her uh, off, off air if she had a psychology background because I have somebody, a, a friend in my past that um, used the word and a lot and it pissed me off. I didn't understand. I didn't really, it pissed me off is, 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 uh, is heavy, but I didn't understand. It didn't, it, in logistical English, using the word but when you say something that's negative after something positive, it seems like what everybody uses, but you use the word and. Can you explain to everybody why? <laughs> well, I have to laugh because I do have a psychology background, and I, I, I think uh, somewhere along the way I either was told or read that, uh, you know, if you start a sentence with, you're doing a great job, but da-da-da-da-da, the rest of your message is lost. So I do find myself saying and rather than but very frequently. Yeah, and it's, it's just it's intriguing because it's the positive nature 
needs to be absolute on your side of this um, uh, relationship with whoever you're speaking, with whom you're ever if my English is correct, um, because it's, you have to, you're giving the guiding light to their future in essence. You're trying to give them the tools they need to succeed uh, in a, that's a vacuum statement, but you know what I mean. So it, mm-hmm. staying positive must be very difficult when you get brushed back. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but we talked about this a little bit before, uh, before the break. Positive nature is, needs to be absolute on your side, does it not? It, it does. And, and now I'm going to be so conscious. <laughs> no, 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 please. No, it's how everybody should talk. It's how everybody should talk. <laughs> you know, I would say, you know, the, the benefit of 20 years experience working with athletes, working with elite athletes is so many success stories. So I've seen, I've seen what can happen through a, a positive relationship. And one of the things that, that we talk about as a team constantly is a balance of challenge and support. So I can't just be a cheerleader. If I'm just being a cheerleader and there's no challenge, no accountability, I'm not pushing the individual I'm working with to really grow and and maximize and reach their full potential. So there is a balance. And so those that I've worked with would say that I'm not all cheerleader. You know, while I do remain very positive, I will shoot you straight. I will hold you accountable. I will challenge you. I, I will support you. And so I really see it, you know, it's kind of, kind of that sweet spot of the, where the, the challenge and the support matches, um, kind of meets up, is where the growth occurs. And through my 20 years of experience, I've found that to be a successful formula. Well, taking responsibility for yourself in your game, it's so apparent. You know, you can really see the stats. You can see whether or not you're rebounding, whether or not you are, you know, uh, playing the defense that you're supposed to. But when it comes to life, what do you gauge for your goals? You know, and how is it going to be, how do you share these uh, athletes? Uh, what success is? Is it to, to figure out a plan? Is it to uh, minor goal, like short goals before long-term goals? I mean, how is it that maybe you turn it so they can see that there's been progress made? Baby steps. Yeah. And again, you know, the, with the philosophy of meet them where they're at, you know, one of the things that we try to do as a team as through each interaction with a life lead, the conversation will end with, okay, I'm going to follow up. Here are the next steps. And depending on the individual, next step may be one thing. I need you to do this one thing. It might be three things. It's not going to be ten things. And so it's really working through. Now, if they don't do it, that's where the challenge piece comes in. You said this was important to you. You said you wanted to work on degree completion. And when I asked you to complete the transcript release form, that could take us to the next step. You didn't do it. Right? So it's that, you know, again, small successes, celebrating the small successes and the, the achievement of tasks along the way to ultimately meet their, their ultimate goals. Now, I have to ask, I'm going to preface this by saying don't hate me. This will be a very quick answer. Um, <laughs> who is your grammar teacher? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so you have um, Jimmy Valvano. Uh, and I'm sorry if you get asked ad nauseum about this, but this is coming to a time where it's been, what, th- over 30 years since he was there So mm, at NC yeah. State. So is, are his 
Um, is his aura still there when you were there? Yes. In a number of different ways. And, you know, the, the athletic accomplishments that, that those, the team, you know, the 1983 team, mm-hmm. of course, and, 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 and others while he was there achieved, you know, that success was part of the tradition and history of NC State University. Some of the challenges were also close to the surface for some of the academic community. In the role that I played on campus where I was overseeing the academic support unit, where my role was really to kind of oversee the academic progress and success of student-athletes while navigating and building strong relationships with campus and faculty, for some, where it was so close to the surface, it, it, it was there. Um, and during my time, uh, Coach Lowe, Sydney Lowe, was one mm-hmm. of the head coaches that I worked with when I was on campus. I spent five years working directly as the advisor for men's basketball, and certainly, uh, you know, he, he's very close to that experience. And so when he came up back on campus as head coach, that brought a lot of it back um, for the entire community. And that was done on purpose, of course, bringing him back as part of that team that was so successful back in the day, correct? Uh, just kind of <laughs> continuing on with this successful uh, endeavor. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Right. That's great. And I went to North Carolina Wilmington, so I was just down the road from you, but not too far. Uh, we were right. uh, down there on the ocean. Uh, we we <laughs> had you, you guys came down and visited at times, and we just we 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 shared our beach. We shared it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rub that in, dude. That's what we got. Right, you got right. a championship. We got the beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, and I'm sure that as you go through this process, I know you've been there. Uh, it's been three years ago this month, I believe, with Athlife. Uh, that you've learned uh, to just move as the moving target moves. I mean, you've been able to probably learn quite a bit, uh, making sure that you have to sharpen your knife, you know, make sure you sharpen your tool to be more precise in what it is that you're trying to provide these athletes. And these athletes sometimes probably can come in as as a true mess. You know, I didn't feel like I was, but I felt like I certainly had tons of improvement and wished that I had known five years earlier, you know, about opportunities like Athlife. So that being said, I just want to go into, uh, um, we, we have uh, another guest, is that correct? Oh, sweet. We got someone else calling in. So we have somebody who's actually gone through the process, uh, Lamar Soup Campbell. He played in the, NBA, or the NFL for many years. He played for the Detroit Lions. And, and Carrie, you, you know uh, Lamar, correct? You've worked with him I in do. the past? Okay, great. Uh, Lamar, are you on? Yes, I am. Awesome. Lamar, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm just good to be back. You know, it's funny, Carrie, that uh, I saw the number today, and my life after the game show was actually on Voice America Sports. So it's funny how things go full circle. <laughs> calling back in. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, this is Alex. You're hearing, sir. Um, tell us a little bit about. So you played in the NFL for five years. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. The day that you knew that. It was going to be your last day wearing the cleats. What was your first thought, if you can remember, within within a couple days? I said, "Oh yeah." The, the, the first thing I asked, uh, said to uh, Martin Mayhew and Sheldon White were, "Are you hiring in the scouting department?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the first thing sure. I said to those guys when I was released. The second thing was, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to get picked up. 
I'm going to be okay. My NFL career is not over. I was coming off a great camp, a great, a great fifth year, and I was sure that I was going to get out, uh, get picked up. It wasn't until after that NFL season that year that reality started to set in. That's faster than me, man. I still think maybe I can get up and down the court. <laughs> it's tough, man. I went through like five years. Am I really done? I don't know. You right. know, maybe I can still do right. this. But then when the body can't right. do what the brain thinks she can, then it's kind of like the right. writing's right. on the wall. The body thing. You know, I had some, some really good conversations uh, with the uh, scouting department. We had became really good friends. And uh, they were kind of honest with me. Once you were out of the league a year, they pretty much let me know that it was very difficult to get back in if I wasn't a big name, you know, big name guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when reality started to set in for, for me and my mind started to run. And you always think you're prepared um, until it happens. And that's exactly what happened. So it was an idea of me just trying to find what I loved as much as being on a football field, outside of the football field or outside of the stadium. And it's a question you really find yourself um, asking yourself once it's all over. And I think for me, um, it took a little while to start to think about that. Right. So, uh, granted, it's a lot less contact being a scout, but uh, do you have uh, – what makes a good scout? Because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of talent out there. There's a lot of tape that could be misleading. You know, it's a, right. if, if you're watching Carson Wentz playing a D2 ball and you're watching uh, Jared Goff playing D1 ball – I mean, you could see a lot of things right. on tape that wouldn't necessarily translate into the NFL. So, like, if you could give a Cliff Notes in two in two things, what makes a good scout? Um, being able to spot the intangibles and emotional intelligence. I think those are the two things. It's funny, I just left football practice here in Madison, and I was talking with Kevin Colbert, the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who actually uh, brought me to Detroit and gave me my first chance in the scouting department. And to this day, even on the NFL level, they're still trying to figure out how to relate to these young men or young women that are going in, in, into pro sports. Um, the generations change, but to have that emotional intelligence and be able to look at the intangibles of what's going to make you a, a great NFL player, those are the two things. Right now, one-third of the league are all free agents. There are more free agents in the league right now than first and second rounders. Wow. So it's not all about talent alone. It's about the, having that intangible, the intelligence, and the wherewithal to push through and persevere. And those are the biggest things you look for when you're a scout. Talking with Lamar Soup Campbell. Come on, man. That's an awesome nickname. Uh, played in the NFL for five <laughs> years with Detroit. Was a scout for three years after. And also on the line, Kerry White, COO of Athlife. Now, Kerry, I'm going to ask you the same question. Are, is it intangibles and emotional capacity that that yields somebody that could be a great client's the wrong word, but you know what I mean for Athlife? That's a lot of it, and I will admit that uh, our whole team just read the book Grit, so it's really high in our mind right now. Uh, I wouldn't have described it exactly this way before reading the book, but Grit <laughs> makes a difference. Uh, the passion, the perseverance, the willing to get back, the willingness to get back up matters. Now, Lamar, I'm going to jump back to you one more time. What do you What do you think your biggest weakness was when you were done playing in the NFL? I think my biggest weakness was being afraid to ask for help. I think the pride factor for me was probably my biggest, big, biggest weakness. Um, pride, as they say, the slang pride will be the death of you. I think that really halted me in my advancement uh, because I was prideful of saying I could do everything by myself, and I found that I was extremely misinformed about that advice. 
Well, plus you're a great big football player, and here I am at 6'11", and I don't want to tell you how much I weigh, but I'm a big fella, right? 245, and I don't want- <laughs> all muscle. I'm looking at him right now, all muscle. Bless your heart. <laughs> so I, you know, I too was like, man, you know, I don't need your help. You know, because I never needed help right. when I'm going to go set this hard pick, you know, or, you know, that kind of right. thing. And, right. and I found out in a hurry that when you get out in the business world, uh, they don't care that you can slam dunk the ball or set a hard pick as much anymore, you know, when you get into the real right. world. So now you're like, okay, now I got to use my brain. And, uh, you know, yeah, I absolutely. know you went back and absolutely. educated yourself. So congrats right. on that. You know I, I owe all of that to, to, to Athlife. Um, I have some good friends at the NFLPA that, uh, put me in contact with Athlife and Carrie in particular, and their team was just phenomenal. You know, I, I had gotten to the point I had continued to mature and realized this was something that I could not do by myself. And with the help of Carrie and Athlife, I was able to come back and finish my undergraduate degree. And then from that, be able to network and get back in college um, athletics. Now I'll be finishing my master's this mm. December and hopefully starting a PhD next Saturday. And that's wow. all happened within the last three years because I learned how to not to, to let that pride factor go and realize it's kind of take it back into the locker room. You don't win a championship by yourself. Mm-hmm. You win it with, 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 with a team. And that's what Athlife has become to me. Great mentors and great teammates in my journey to uh, chasing greatness. Now, Lamar, were you receptive right away when you went to Athlife or were you hesitant like you were with the pride thing from, from coming off the field? You know, I wasn't hesitant, um, but I was, you know, I was nervous. I was a super. I would have been a super duper senior, you know, coming back, sure. you know, leaving campus 17 years ago. Uh, that was really what I thought about when I contacted Athlife, and you know, speaking with Karen and speaking with some of the guys that were in the program that they worked with, I was not the only person in that same boat going back that late and finishing. But they helped me get focused. They helped me put my goals in front of me. They helped me just refine that competitive spirit that I had as an athlete and just helping me transition that mindset into where I wanted to go and helping me find that, that path. Now, uh, Carrie, what is one of the first questions you asked Lamar, if you can remember? I think one of our early conversations, you know, he, he had um, tried to go back to school before a, a few times, and I think one of our early conversations was, making him talk and think about why now? What's different? Why is this time going to work? And he, he was ready. He was ready, and he was not going to let anything get in his way. Um, and I think saying that out loud, you know, to another person, then that creates another accountability piece because it's kind of like an accountability partner. Like, okay, Lamar, you said it. I'm holding you to it now. And we had a few of those conversations. Um, there were a few barriers that got thrown in his way early on, you know, because he had to do some coursework locally before he was able to go back to Madison. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, we battled. We worked through it together. That voice you hear, Kerry White, COO of Athlife, and Mr. Lamar Soup Campbell, both on the line. I've had a history together to help uh, Lamar further his career after uh, the game was done and after the scouting was over. Hopefully they'll stay with us on the other side of the break. We'll dive more into Mr. Soup Campbell and more into the COO of Athlife and wrap it up here on Rebound Radio. We will be right back. Follow 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Final segment, Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. Rebound Radio on Voice America Radio. Check out voiceamerica.tv to check out the content that Matt and I obtained personally. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the wrong way to say it. Uh, at the oh. NBA Legends Conference in Vegas, uh, six or eight weeks back, interviewed a bunch of former NBA athletes, Keith Claus, Cherokee Parks, George Lynch was my personal favorite, and uh, John Harris, the president of uh, Athlife, uh, who is uh, you know partially responsible for um, making the life leet a real thing. And I'm going to ask Carrie to regurgitate the information once again, even though we asked her about it before. We have on the line Carrie White, the chief operating officer of Athlife, as well as the Mar Soup Campbell, five-year NFL uh, veteran. He was a, with the Lions. He, I think he was a scout for three years. He actually had a show on Voice America Radio that we'll talk about a little bit later. But Carrie, uh, let's jump one more time. Tell me what a life leet is. An individual engaged in the lifelong process of career development, and for us, those are post-professional athletes. And we were talking uh, before the break that uh, Lamar came to Athlife and was paired up with Carrie. And uh, Lamar, what you were saying off the air is what I want you to say on the air right now. Start that story from the beginning because it was intriguing. We just had to cut it off because we were coming back. Oh, okay. Um, no problem. I, w- I was mentioning to Karen that, you know, I was speaking with um, Kevin Colbert, the GM of Pittsburgh, who I mentioned earlier, and he was here walking, looking at some of our players, and the conversation uh, was not about football. We talked about transition from high school to college. We talked about transition from college to the pros. We talked about transition from pros to, you know, being being, being a lightly, lifely. And I think something that AppLife does great, as, as Carrie mentioned earlier, is they're reading the book Grit. Um, I think they have a leg up because they speak our language. They know what they, they they know about our pride. They know about grit. They, they know about work ethic. They know about the wherewithal. They they know about being focused and being able to relate to the athletes that that they work with on an everyday basis is key. You know, you always perform best for the coach that knew you, the coach that knew how to get the best out of you. And I think that's what um, you see athletes doing. They stay in touch. They continue training themselves. It's, it's not a science. You have to continue to get better on every level. So how are us athletes that work with Athlife are trying to get better academically and moving forward with our life? You know, Athlife stays on point 
reading books and staying up with the new trends and making sure that they're providing us with the best service that they can. And I think that's why you see athletes and uh, athletes working well so, so, so well together. Yeah, and it's it seems hey so let's let's go to that. What what kind of student were you like when you were at college at Wisconsin Madison? Man, I, I hate to say it, but me when me and my buddies got on campus our freshman year, we had a motto that class was optional. <laughs> well, and that's and that's <laughs> the and the, yeah, and that's the mid nineties, right? I mean, hopefully, yeah, it was the mid nineties. I was a freshman in uh, ninety four. Um, I left Philadelphia to come here to Madison, Wisconsin. I was starting as a freshman. Um, had transferred my senior year to a very, very, very good high school outside of the city. Um, and academically, it was a struggle for me. And not just academically, but mentally, socially, far away from home, you know, a minority male in Madison. So there was a lot that I was going through that actually took away from um, academics. And then with all that even being said, I was a semester away from finishing. And so I always tell the guys now, I mean, I used to talk about, you know, if I had that focus coming in, I wouldn't be going back to finish that last semester, but as I asked things worked out with me and Athlife, um, going back to finish school and finishing my undergraduate degree was the best thing that has happened to me. And um, as far as my career transition, I owe that to Carrigan Athlife. Now, why did you leave early? <laughs> oh, my, my, my years were just done. I played four years. I played as a freshman. Most scholarships are for five. Um, and I had an opportunity to go to the NFL after my fourth year. So it was coming back to school for a semester. Um, or go have an opportunity to make you know a living in the NFL, and that's what I chose to do. Yeah, and that's I mean, and that's not a bad choice. I mean, I was just I was curious as to why, and that's great. And the thing with Athlife now, Carrie, maybe you can jump back in here um, with with people like Lamar, and you know, you play five years. I mean, that's what is that a year and a half longer than the average lifespan in the NFL? Because I think it's three and a half or yeah. three point two now. It's actually under three now. Oh, goodness gracious. Seven now. Yeah, it's okay. under three at this point. Yeah. So you played, say, double, and then you actually stayed with the team for a couple of years and were a scout. And you, did you realize that you just didn't want to be a scout anymore, that you wanted to go get your undergraduate, you wanted some guidance, and you just took the scout position to stay you know, in the NFL, under the NFL umbrella? You know, I think also, but I'll, I'll, I'll use another term. It was comfortable. It was a comfort zone. I was familiar with the organization. I was familiar with the players. And then, you know, life happens. You live on the road for a long time. And then I became a father. And that was a really huge uh, stepping point for me because, you know, do I want to be nine months on the road and not be a father in my son's life? Um, that, was, that was a huge decision for me. So when I decided that I wanted to walk away from scouting, it was important for me to find other avenues and other careers. And, you know, you're really limited because a lot of people don't understand after they look at it this way. If you play five or ten years in the league, even if you have your degree, you have no job experience. I can't, even if I have a marketing degree, I can't go in. I'm still in, entry level at 30 years old, 31 years old, if I play and trying to support a family. Um, so it was important for me to get back uh, for my future, for my, for my sons and family's future, to make sure I had that uh, degree underneath my belt to give me more opportunities. Now, Kerry, is this a... Is this a, it doesn't sound like, but is this like a traditional story of people that, that uh, come in and talk at Athlife and try to get guidance? Or, I mean, Lamar, you seem to, and, and now is it as existential nature, like is your, do you have clarity now or was this your clarity throughout your journey? And I'll, I'll, I'll jump to Carrie after this. You know what? It's funny you mentioned that. It was therapy to speak about it. It was therapy to speak about my shortcomings and what I should have done. 
it was good for me to speak it out. That was that was my outlet. But I, I really believe at this point now, I found uh, my passion position. You know, I went around and spoke with the NCAA um, for a while with a friend of mine, and I used to speak about the mistakes that I made. And then the opportunity came. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm speaking about it, but I'm not living it. And once I made the decision to really live it all the way out and go back and finish my degree, I think the world changed for me. And, you know, having carrying an athlete by my side as I was making that transition was instrumental to where I am right right now. So, Kerry, what was one of the things that you're like, okay, this is the first thing that we need to do in an effort to move Lamar from a former athlete to a life lead? You know, I think um, for Lamar, he, he had gone through a lot of the pain of transition before we started working together, hmm. and so he had some clarity on what was next. It was really just how, how, how do we do it, right? And so, what are the, the what's the plan? I think with Lamar and Lamar, jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. You know, one of our things has been. This has gone really, you know, we talked about it today, three years, and there has been a lot. And I'll give Lamar a chance to talk about one of the experiences he had. But one of the things we did is, you know, he's going back to campus 17 years later to finish his undergraduate degree. Well, he's not going to graduate and take time to sit back. You know, it's like, okay, now what? Now what? And so we very quickly pivoted to the career piece. And he, he can probably speak to some of the things we've done there, um, but also jumped into advanced degree because what he figured out he wanted to do with his career requires a master's degree. <laughs> Lamar? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I think um, what Carrie helped me on the Life is we always had a plan. So I remember coming back for that fall and being around the student athletes again and finding myself finding that value in my experience and what I went through and how to be prepared and make sure, you know, as a scout as well, telling these young men and these young women, listen, you want to make a jump to the NFL, they love guys that graduate college. You may be able to jump up around if they know you graduate college because not only do you have the intangibles, you have a Wisconsin academic workload, and you performed at a high level. You're a guy I want on my team. And I knew that I had – I had always loved giving back. I came – and Indiana Jones was my idol coming up. I wanted to be an uh, <laughs> archaeologist yeah. and be history and give back. But I found my passion position back from my undergrad, and Carrie never let me get off track of what was next. All right, Lamar, you graduated in December. What's next? What do you want to do next? And so what, what Athlete was able to do is uh, there's an N4A conference that has all the collegiate um, administrators there, and they were able to sponsor us to get down there and, and participate in that and build on those relationships. There was an academic advisor here in Madison that I had saw a couple of times in Madison. So I'm at the conference. We sat down for lunch. I let him know what I wanted to do. He said, you know, Lamar, I had no idea. You wanted to get back in that. We really enjoyed having you. Let me see what we can make happen. And then during that time, me and Carol were also working on my master's application. And, you know, God makes no mistakes, man. You know, I got accepted as a master's. I had an opportunity to come here for a position. And I've, I've been here since last August. It's just been an amazing experience. And it seems like, and that's great. I mean, that's a great success story. And, you know, it's, it's. I'm sure Athlife had a lot to do with it, the push and the guidance and everything. And then now you're doing exactly what you want to be doing. I mean, from, you have, so you were on, so you were done with the scouting in 2008, correct? Yes. And then you jumped to 
having a show here, Life After the Game, on Voice America for two years. And in that 2011 year, you started your own consulting practice, Life After the Game. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now you're back in sports where you started, after the guidance and going back to school and doing all that stuff. Right, right. But you know what? I think Karen had a great point um, earlier. I had gone through a lot of the uh, disappointments of transition. I was in the process of still working through transition. And Carrie, you know, as she knows, and I'll tell you, I'm not finished. You know, I'm, I'm not done. I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, and I'll, I really don't believe my transition is done while I'm somewhere where I believe I'm happy. And I know I'm happy and I'm excited. And the, the kids on my lifeline, I'm not done because at the end of the day, I have to be the best for them. And I don't believe, and I believe there's a lot left, a lot more room for me to grow to be the best guy that I can for my student athletes move, moving forward. Now, and, and this is total aside, we have three minutes left to close, but being a sports nut, I got to ask, how did it feel to watch Melvin Gordon break that record? Always on the sideline. Uh, well, rub it in. I was, I was really excited. <laughs> yeah, I was really excited. And you know what? It wasn't the record that I was most proud of for Melvin. It was that what people didn't see. They didn't see Melvin in the weight room at 9 o'clock at night. They didn't see him up running stadium stairs at 6 o'clock in the morning. So when I see that record being broke for me, I saw all the work off, outside of what everyone saw on television that went into that record being broke. Um, and that what I was, I was most proud of, you know, about, about what Melvin did that year was that I saw all the work behind the scenes that he put in to get to where he is right now. I was very proud of him and still proud of him for what he's doing right now. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm a Charger fan, so I'm happy that they drafted him so highly. Now, we have to get out of here. Lamar Soup Campbell, thank you so much for joining us. Five-year uh, NFL veteran, three-year scout, now working with Life After the Game Consulting. Is there any uh, social media or email address that you'd like us to, that you want to plug before we get out of here? Um, yeah, sure. My uh, Twitter address is Life After T Game. That's L I F E A F T E R T Game. Um, feel free to follow me. I'm happy here to be in Madison. Um, I think the Life After the Game. Um, I actually have not worked on that because um, I think my passion now is with the University of Wisconsin. I'm going to be able to be here and stay here, and looking forward to Carrie helping me out as I continue my journey. And Carrie, <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much for joining us too. Uh, this has been it's been a real pleasure Kerry White COO of Athlife hopefully we'll uh, have you guys on and have you on in the next couple weeks just to uh, check back in uh, thank you so much for being on I, I tell you Kerry you're the one that said the coughing thing and then I got it I've been sitting here uh, <laughs> coughing around and I'm blaming it on I you think, I think he got nervous because <laughs> I told everybody I think he got nervous that I told everybody that he was 245 all muscle <laughs> Uh, you know what? And I, I really appreciate we got to get out of here, but thanks to the both of you. You really yeah, uh, enriched you. our show, and um, Rebound Radio is better for it. Uh, thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. Thank you, and good luck. Thanks. Thank Same you very much. You. Matty Fish. Yes, Yikes. Sir. That was some good stuff. We got two minutes. Um, what did you take away from that? I mean, Lamar, <laughs> he was so, and it seemed like he was ready. I liked his point. What I liked, one thing he said was, when you're done playing the game, you're 30 years old, you're still considered young, but you're also a, like he said, starting fresh on a new job at the age of 30. Now you're, you're, you got this ego because I played pro sports sure. and you're going in like, okay, I want to start a job now. And they're like, okay, here you go. Start stocking shelves. You're like, no, you know what I mean? Like, no, you know, so I totally understand what he says when he went down that path that 
you know, for heaven's sakes, you put all your effort into something, then all of a sudden you're 10 or 15 years older than the curve of what people have already had their job. So you got these people that never played the game at all, and they got jobs where you think you should have. You know, so that and they, yeah, that's a frustrating thing we talked about. I'm Alex Clancy. He's Matt Fish. We will see you guys next week on Rebound Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Rebound Radio. Please join Matt Fish next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll profile another legend of basketball. Have a great week.